We again want to welcome you this morning and thank you so much for being here on our special day, our fifth Sunday. We would like to remind you all again that we'll be enjoying a meal uh, in just a few moments once our service is, is concluded here. And also want to invite you back after that meal at 1230, we'll conclude with our evening service at that time. Uh, today, if, if you do not already know our speaker, Brother David Light, uh, Brother David has taught at International Bible College, which is now Heritage Christian University. He spent about 20 years teaching uh, up the road at Freed Hardeman University, uh, 22 years directing the Freed Hardeman lectureships, which uh, do begin next week. And uh, now he's part-time teaching at the Southeast Preaching School in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I was thinking about Brother Lipe and all the many students that he has had. Uh, I had the privilege of sitting at his feet in classes and also hearing him speak uh, a number of times after that uh, and watching him lead the lectureship in such a powerful way. But I thought about all the many people that he's been able to influence through his preaching and through his teaching and all the good that the Lord has been able to do through the work that he has done. But I also don't want to forget his wife, Sister Linda. Uh, I believe she worked at Freed Hardeman some too, and she's here with us. And I was thinking, uh, often wives are overlooked uh, by good men who proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, but we don't want to overlook Miss Linda. Uh, it's been said that behind every good man, is a good wife, and I know that she's been that good wife for him, and they've raised two wonderful daughters, uh, and we thank them for their service, and we're thankful that Brother Lipe is with us today to speak to us on the subject of grace. If you'd like to follow along, I'll be reading from Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. But because of His great love for us, God, who in His rich mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages we might show the incomparable riches of His grace, expressing His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Good morning. I'm so glad to be here, and I'm very honored to be invited uh, to be part of uh, this great day. I want to say thanks to Brother Rogers, to Brother Barry, the elders, and all of you for welcoming us uh, here today. I almost jumped the gun again. I, I think you said the song before our lesson. I may be mistaken about that, and so I'm like, you know, you know, out of the gate here. And then I saw my, my scripture reader there, and I think I did that before, didn't I? Sometimes I'd get up before the scripture reader and, and so forth. But uh, we made it, didn't we? All right. Okay, well, we're talking about God's grace today. And I hope you're bi you have your Bibles. Do you have your Bibles? Let me see them. Hold them up. Hold them up high. Wow, look at that. That's great. I love to hear those pages, uh, um, you know, making noise as you turn uh, to different scriptures, though I won't give you time to do that most of the time. If I did, we never would uh, eat, right? So, um, but you know, I've been thinking about something. Um, what about someone creating a, a, an app where it would have the, you know, the noise of pages rustling? You know what I mean? That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? 
You know, I mean, an iPhone and a laptop. I was at some place and I asked to see Bibles and a guy held up a laptop. Now, that's okay, I'll take that. But uh, you just can't get the same sound, can you? And I really like to hear those pages. All right. The Apostle Paul said, None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. As Paul had a ministry to testify of the gospel of the grace of God, we too have a ministry to testify of God's grace. And that's what we're here to do today. And that's... uh, Uh, what's going to be the uh, subject of all of our lessons. Now at this time, I'm specifically going to address three points. Number one, the need for God's grace. Number two, the provision of God's grace. And number three, the reception of the grace of God. We need God's grace. There was a time... That man had fellowship with God, but he broke that relationship with God, and as a result, they're none righteous, no, not one, Romans 3 and 10. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3 and 23. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, Ephesians 2 and 12. Or Ephesians 2 and 1, you're dead in trespasses and in sins. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6 and 23. Um, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated you from God and your sins have hidden his face from you. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them who do evil. All of these passages that I have quoted underscore the need for God's grace. In the song you just sang, Such a worm as I. The emphasis is we need God's grace. Now, what do all of these verses mean? They mean we're all guilty. I'm guilty. You're guilty. We're all guilty. What these verses mean is that in sin we are separated from God. We have no hope whatsoever. And unless we remedy that situation, we will lose our soul. Now that's the bottom line of what these verses mean. As sinners, we cannot remove the guilt of our own sin. Don't be deceived by our supposed goodness. You know, here's a person who says, well, yeah, but I, you know, I do this and I do that and I'm, I'm a good citizen and I vote and, and I um, am a member of this civic organization and, and uh, I do so many incredible things in the community. Everybody knows about the good works that I do and so forth. Guess what? Filthy rags. That's what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, that all of our righteousness is filthy rags. You see why? Because we cannot save ourselves. You can accumulate good works from here to eternity, but you cannot save yourself, nor can I save myself. And so we need God's grace. So God has given us a gift. The wages of sin is death, but what does the Bible say? The gift of God is eternal life. 
through Christ Jesus, Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. And Ephesians 2.8, just following the reading that our good brother read, By grace are you saved through faith. And that what? Are you listening to me? That not of yourselves, you see. Not of yourselves. We can't save ourselves. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Uh, that's so important. I'm not sure that we give the emphasis to that, you know, that we should. And First uh, Timothy 2 and 6, who gave himself a ransom for us. Or Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us, you know, from uh, all iniquity. And uh, Hebrews 2 and 9, we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, uh, <clears throat> crowned with glory and honor, who tasted death for us, for every man. And so God has provided his grace. The song that you sang, Jesus loves us. God loves us. The Holy Spirit loves us. And God the Father loved us so much that He gave His Son, you know, to die for us. Now listen to this. Out of love, God gave Jesus as a propitiation. Now that's a big word, isn't it? Uh, one of our daughters, Rachel, any of you remember Rachel? I wanted her to take Romans, Barry. She wouldn't take Romans. I said, why don't you take Romans? Might have been because I was teaching it, but at any rate, she said, Dad, that, that book has too many shun words in it. I said, what? I didn't even know what she was talking about. I said, what do you mean? She said, yeah, you got reconciliation and propitiation. <laughs> you have all these shun words. I thought, oh, brother, give me a break. But at any rate, that, that's sort of a big word, isn't it? Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. All that means is He is our sacrifice. He is the sacrifice for me and for you. Two of my favorite passages, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. For as much as you know you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So out of love, watch it now, God gave us His Son. But now listen to this. This may surprise you. Out of justice, God gave His Son. Out of love, God gave His Son. But out of justice, God gave His Son. Now, I'm going to let you turn to these verses. Romans 3 and 24. Let's hear those pages rustling. Romans 3, 24 and 25 and 26. Listen to these words. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation, that is, sacrifice by His blood, through faith to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. Now listen to verse 26. To demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ Jesus. So out of justice, God gave His Son. Grace works like this. <clears throat> we may have a judge or, or two in the audience today. Let's say that a criminal appears before a judge. Alright? Now, <clears throat> what would you think about a judge if this criminal appears before the judge 
The judge, uh, you know, after uh, looking at the situation and evaluating things, says, well, just forget it. You can go. You can go. Just walk out the door. Have a good day. Now, I and you sitting in the audience would say, wait a minute. We want justice. You know, this man is an offender of the community. He has been a threat to the public good. We want justice. And so, we wouldn't think too much about a judge. You'd just wink at it, right? You know, who'd just say, well, just forget it. Yeah, I know he's robbed several, you know, people, and I know he's done all these things and so forth, but let's just forget it. Let him go. No, we want justice. And so, we expect the judge to mete out justice. Now, if it's not meted out by the offender, it might be that someone would step up for the offender. And therefore, justice is served. But what I'm saying is justice cannot be served unless a penalty is paid. And so, that's Jesus Christ. You see, God is just. But God cannot be just unless you know something is done about the sin problem. And so the sin problem has got to be addressed. And, and in that way, only can there be peace, only can there be satisfaction you know, of the sin problem. And so Jesus steps up and He dies for us. He is the ransom. You know, He's the ransom that is paid. Jesus is the ransom. And when that ransom is paid, then the sin problem is taken care of. Now, how do we receive this incredible act of grace? How do we receive this? We have, we've seen, as I've just attempted to point out, the incredible need for God's grace. I have said some things relative to God providing us grace. And we talked about that in our Bible class with Jesus on the cross. And so what about the reception of it? How can I receive it? The provision of grace is not unconditional. Titus 2.11, the Bible says that God sheds His grace on all men. But just because He sheds His grace on all men does not mean that it is unconditional. Let me give you an illustration. Let's say... That, um, you know, a very common thing that's done today um, in uh, gift exchanges, uh, several things that kind of bug me a little bit. I'm kind of old school, as you might know, because why? Because I'm old as dirt to begin with, all right? Okay. But uh, one thing people do today, not a lot of people wrap up presents anymore, do they? They bring them in what? A sack. Now, what in the round world is that about? You know, here's your gift. We've been waiting for 365 days for this, and here's your sack. And it's got some, some tissue paper in the top of it, but it's colored, you know. That, um, that sort of gets on my nerves a little bit. I like them. I like them wrapped up. You know, put some effort in it. I know we're going to tear it all to pieces in a minute, but at any rate. Well, another thing that's done today is gift cards. Right? We're not going to go out and try to buy the ideal gift. What we're going to do is just give a gift card. Here you go. Well, how exciting is that? I mean, um, I guess I like to get a gift card, but wow, I'm now going to leave with all my gift cards here today, you know? You see, it's just, I don't know, it just seems like that there's something wanting. You know, there's... Uh, 
You know, used to when I, you know, was much younger, and we had our had our boxes, you know, that were wrapped up, right? And we had the box for the shirt and the box for the pants, and you know, we just had these boxes. Wow, man, this is great. What do you do now? Well, I got six gift cards in my hand here. <laughs> but let's say we got a gift card, and uh, so let's say that I give you a gift card. Okay, let's say the card is worth. Uh, 50 bucks, okay? Uh, it's a free gift. Okay? John Waller, my friend, John, I'm going to give you a gift card, okay? 50 bucks. 50, it's worth $50. It's at such and such an establishment. It's free. You didn't do anything to earn it. I want to give it to you. My friend, I want to give it to you. Alright? He's still got to do what? He's got to take it, hasn't he? He's got to receive it. Am I right or wrong? You see, he's not just going to stand there like that and all of a sudden, you know, the gift card's working. No, he's got to receive it. And guess what? He's got to go to the particular establishment where the card will be honored. Is that right? He's got to take a seat. He's got to look at the menu. He's got to order the meal. What I'm saying is there is something that has to be done in order to receive this free gift. Sure, Jesus paid it all. He's the power source, but we got to tap into it. Now, where's where'd Buddy land? Where'd you land, Buddy? There, there he is. Now, Buddy's built a bunch of stuff. Others of you as well. Buddy, I'm thinking about a guy that uh, has built this house. And he's trying to impress me with what he's done to his house. All right? And he, he, says, he says, David, I want to talk to you about the lighting in the house. Okay? Now, when I was a kid, if we wanted to turn the light on in the room and it was pitch dark, we did a lot of this right here. What am I doing? I'm trying to find the string. It's hanging down from the light bulb that's got, you know, about six cords going out from it up there. I mean, that was the light bulb and the receptacles for anything that was happening, all right? But this man says, David, don't have to walk through the dark anymore. You know, find the string. Really? He says, listen, I can flip a switch right here and have lights. He flips it, nothing happens. So, ooh, okay. And he says, and when I flip this switch right here and the lights come on, I can walk across the room and I can flip another switch and they go off. I said, you don't mean it. Yeah? <laughs> Three-way switch. And then he says, guess what? I could go in there and I could flip another one and come back on. Got a four-way switch. And then he says, and then in this room, we got this recessed lighting. And then, and then he says, I got these can lights. Now, Ms. Life and I built a house. Betty knows what I'm talking about. Back in 2010. And uh, we got two can lights in the <laughs> They've never been on over five minutes. All right? Guy <laughs> tried to persuade us to get like, you know, six or seven of them, you know, in the, in the kitchen and in the living room and all that. And I said, I don't even like lights up there to begin with. Why do I don't want to spend a bunch of money? He wanted like $50 a can, you know, to put the things in or something. And so, and speaking of that, I got a friend that just put in 53 can lights, which is a little overwhelming to me. But at any rate, you say, what's your point, Brother David? Here's my point. 
this man says he's got all of these things going, and I'm saying to him, but I don't see any illumination. You flip the switch, nothing comes on. You go over there, you flip the switch, nothing goes off. Why? Because nothing was on to begin with. And so we walk out to the end of the house and I see a transformer and then I see these three wires coming out of you know, his house, but they're not connected. Right? I said, you're not going to have any power in that house unless you connect the two together. And that reminds me of the individual who says, wow, I've got this, this going on in my life. I've got this going on in my life that's good. I do this good. I do that good. I'm involved in this. I'm involved in that. And all of these great works and so forth and so on. Let me tell you something. You don't have anything if you're not tapped into the power source. And the power source is the Lord Jesus Christ. You must be tapped into Him. And you do that by faith. And so God gives us the gift. That's Jesus Christ. We respond to that gift by what? By faith. That's what the Bible says. For by grace are you saved through faith. Faith is the beginning and the end. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 17 it says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, The just shall live by faith. It begins with faith. Our coming to Jesus begins with faith. Our staying with Jesus consists of faith. Our whole spiritual journey consists of faith. Biblical faith is taking God at His Word. It's not a salvation by dead faith. It's not some intellectual affirmation. It's not a mental assent. You know, John 12 and 42 says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, many also believed in Him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess His name. And the tense is literally the imperfect. They kept on not confessing His name. So here are some believers, Bill, who, who believed, but they never were willing to confess Jesus because they were afraid they were going to be put out of the synagogue. So what about the person today who says, well, I believe in Jesus, but I don't act on my faith. I believe in Jesus, but I'm not going to repent. I believe in Jesus, but I'm not going to confess Him. I believe in Jesus, but I'm not going to be baptized. I don't want to have anything to do with that. That's a dead faith. You see, the faith that saves is a faith that obeys. So if we're going to be saved, we've got to have a living faith. It's got to be a comprehensive faith. You know, let me tell you something. Another thing gets on my nerves. Y'all learn a lot of things get on my nerves. Here's another one. Not only because those sacks, I hate those things. But um, here's another thing that gets on my nerves. And Steve, you may have had this experience. You go, you go on a campaign, and I'll hear a campaign worker say sometimes, well, if we can just get him baptized. You know what? I've preached for now 49 years. And the Lord's blessed me to baptize hundreds and thousands of people. But I don't ever use the language if I can just get him baptized. Let me tell you something. The Bible says, by grace are you saved through what? Faith. It doesn't say by grace are you saved through faith. Plus baptism. We're saved by grace. That's God's part. Through faith. But that faith is a comprehensive term that takes God at His Word. And so, baptism is a response of faith. Why is a person willing to submit to baptism? Because of faith. Why is a person willing to say, 
stand up here, Barry, and say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He's willing to do that because of faith. Why do we eat this Lord's Supper on Sunday? Because of faith. You see, it's all about grace and faith. God's part and man's part. But that faith is an obedient faith. It's a faith that demonstrates itself in obedience unto God. Does that make sense? In that house, I was trying to find that light cord so many times. We didn't have running water. We had a, had a well, a cistern, over in the corner of the kitchen. I thought we was pretty fancy. We didn't have to go outside and, you know, at a pump. We had it in the corner of the kitchen. Come a hard rain, let the, r- the roof wash off. We could raise a window. We had a gutter out there, and we turned it in and brought in rainwater, you know, right off that roof into the cistern. Sometimes I'd get up on the edge of it and I'd be playing. And my grandmother, I can still hear her to this day. My middle name is Lee and she always called me David Lee. She said, David Lee, get off of that. You're going to fall over in there and drown. (laughs) You know how we little kids are. She said, don't fall over in there. And so I'd get down and then, you know, she'd turn. I'd get back up. You know how all that goes. But now just imagine, suppose I fell over in that well. My grandmother loved me, and you know what she'd do? She would run over there, and we had a bucket on a rope. What do you think she'd do? She'd lower that bucket down in the well. And what do you think I'd do? I'd grab a hold of it, right? That bucket coming down the well would be what? That's grace, isn't it? She's giving me that. She's lowering that down there to me. But what have I got to do? I've got to take a hold of it, don't I? You see, I got to believe in her. I got to believe that she's going to, you know, draw me back up, you see. So I, I believe that. I trust her. I grab a hold of it, and she'd pull me back up. And that simple illustration to me helps me understand we're saved by grace through faith. God sheds His incredible gifts on us. We respond to it in believing God, and we don't try to, you know, analyze everything to death. You know, I'm the worst about that. You know, I'm just, I mean, why do you think I did a PhD in philosophy? We want to analyze things to death, all right? Well, here's what I'm saying to you today. Quit analyzing stuff all the time and simply accept God's gift. Amen? And you can do that by faith. You see, that's what Naaman had to do a long time ago. See, he wanted to analyze things. Well, I thought he'd come out here. I thought he'd strike the place. You see, Naaman had his own plan of righteousness, you see. But finally, when he humbly submitted to what the prophet said, he was cleansed of his uh, disease. And in the same way today, I beg people, you know, to quit analyzing so much and humbly submit themselves, you know, to God. So salvation is through faith. It's through a live faith, um, an obedient faith. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. But let's say something about that real quick. When I preacher, I thought you said we're not saved by works. Well, James says you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Two different kinds of works. You ready? There are works that are included in God's plan to save. There are works that are excluded from God's plan to save. What works are excluded? My stuff. <clears throat> Look what I've done, Lord. I mean, I've made more visits this week than anybody else. I've delivered more meals than anybody else. I have made more phone calls and invited people to church this week than anybody else. Hogwash. 
That, that's not going to save you. That's your stuff. I am saved by a response to God's grace, which includes, you know, certain works. There are works that are excluded, those works that we can boast about, those things that we can brag about and stuff. But then there are works that are included in God's plan to save. And those works include uh, an obedient faith, repenting of our sins, confessing faith in Jesus Christ, and being baptized. Now watch it. And then all those phone calls you make, and all those visits you make, and all those apple pies you share with people and so forth, you do that. Why? Because you are saved. Does that make sense? Look and listen to what Ephesians chapter 2 says. Ephesians 2 says we are created. Let's go to that. Watch it. Ephesians 2. I didn't have my brother you know, read all of that. Listen to what it says. <clears throat> it says, For by grace have you been saved through faith that are not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. I'm for working, but we work because we're saved. We don't work to earn our salvation. Why? Because we cannot earn our salvation. We work, we work our livers out. I pray the Lord will just let me work till I, you know, just, you know, kill over. And we do that because of God. God's grace. Because of what He's done for us. We want to do that. Does that make sense to you? You see, we're not doing that in order to be saved. We don't have a checklist over here, you know, where, oh, okay, I visited five people today. Okay. Uh, God surely, you know, likes that. And then tomorrow, we are working because of what God did for us. Because of His love for us. Why do we, why do we come to service? We come because not only is it commanded, but we come because of what God did for us. Why do we come back on Sunday night? Because, you know, look what God did for us. And look at all these good and faithful brethren that we want to be with and we want to fellowship with. I don't think that we ought to try to you know, get people to come to church by hammering them with a scripture. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. I've been beat to death by that verse forever. Now, it's God's Word. But listen to me. We need people coming to church you know, for the right reason. They need to be coming because of what Jesus has done for us. And because of the love you know, that God shed upon us. And because of the love that we have for Him. And so we say, God wants me there. He wants me to attend. He wants me to study. And so I'm going to respond you know, for those reasons. How important it is that we understand that we understand that. And so we need grace. God has given us His grace. The incredible manifestation of it is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want you to see Jesus on the cross. Can you see that? Can you see it in your mind's eye? Can you see His arms outstretched? Can you see the crown of thorns on His head? Can you see His pierced side? Can you see the nail through His feet? Can you see the nails in His hand? Can you see that He's the one who's paid the price? Can you see that He's the ransom? He did that for you. 
He did that for me. And upon that understanding, and on the understanding that Jesus wants us to believe in Him, and Jesus wants us to submit to Him, that's the reason that we do what we do. And so what about it today? Is there one or more persons here today? Perhaps you've come time and time again. But perhaps you've just sort of gone through the motions. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'll just show up. But has it ever dawned on you that God has shed His grace upon you? And that we're able to do what we do you know, because of God's love and God's mercy. God help us to come to that understanding. And all God is doing is holding His arms outstretched and saying, I want you to come to me. You know, as the Lord said, as He looked over Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You know, how many times would He have taken you know, them under His uh, arms you know, as a hen doth her chicks? You know, clap of thunder and the little chicks, you know, run to mother hen. You know, Jesus says, that's the way I would take people if they would come. I'm telling you, that's the way God is. See, God, God takes everybody. He, he, he takes everybody. He, he cleans us up, you see, when he, when he takes us. We come to Him, He cleans us up. He makes us His children. Can we help you with that today? I sure hope we can as we stand and as we sing. Amen.